Good evening, Patricia, and thank you for joining us. Thanks. Good evening. Great stuff. So, Patricia, we have these people called BASA, uh, standing for the Beer Association of South Africa. If, if It sounds like a bunch of third-year students, but I take it that these are real people um, who, have, um, who are involved in the alcohol trade or in the beer trade in particular, and they're calling for... Um, the I want to get it right, the off-consumption beer trade to resume. What does that all actually mean? Well, you'll be pleased to know that I'm actually the CEO now of Barca. Oh, you are you? <laughs> you'll hear it from the headmaster now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so awesome. And, and, and here I refer to you as, as, as an oafish, blokish third-year student that's part of the Beer Association of South Africa. <laughs> the headmistress, it's fine. <laughs> I can tell you firsthand, it's all cool. I can tell you firsthand, uh, you know, it's, it's an association made up of the South African breweries AB InBev, it's Heineken, and then it's over 240 craft brewers in South Africa. So these are, you know, actual people who brew their own beer. And, uh, you know, physical labor, uh, you know, all, most of them family-owned, individual-owned. Mm. So it's not just beer that's um, imported into the country, um, as a lot of people think. Um, these are all individuals whose livelihood depends on, on this actual sale and, uh, you know, actually selling products every day. And I mean, uh, you know, uh, anecdotally, one one has, uh, at least I've realized that um, it, it seems that uh, craft beer um, is, is becoming very popular in South Africa, that it's actually becoming an actual business that you can invest in as a person, that it's not something that you just do because you have a passion or love for beer. It's something that you can actually feed yourself and your family with. Absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, it's something that is, has developed into a culture, but as South Africans, we have a strong beer culture. And it's all, it means hundreds of years old as, as a South African culture, all the way it has a rich heritage, you know, all the way through from all communities. It's not, uh, you know, one community specific. And um, our Inkomboti that we have, the brew, it's a cultural tradition. So it's a very strong one, I think, that we can't lose sight of. But I mean, you know, you, uh, we, I just came out of the conversation with uh, Nelisiwe Msomi. I'm sure you heard the last bit there. We were asked about um, whether certain items will be relaxed. As far as she knows, uh, the only items that would be relaxed is obviously baby goods, you know, uh, goods related to babies' clothing um, and, and such other things, um, you know, such other. Um, and then, you know, one wouldn't say that I've had three of my own children because there's plenty of stuff that you need toiletries, uh, <laughs> formula, uh, uh, nappies, the works, right? All of the, the, I take it a lot of those things are going to be, the, the regulations around the lockdown is going to be relaxed on those. Um, but Nelly Siwe also pointed out that a lot of doctors are pointing out that because of the lack of alcohol, or at least um, the legitimate over-the-counter sale of alcohol at this point in time, that a lot of their casualty wards are nearly empty. And that is quite frankly because almost 99% of whatever cases they come across is alcohol related. So how then do we justify in this instance that the uh, off-consumption of beer uh, and that trade should resume and allow people to, to, to continue to have a drink when we know that drinking causes so many social ills in South Africa? 
Mm, I'm not sure if that stat is actually correct. That it's ninety nine. I, I I'm sorry. I I I, I use ninety nine percent. Just no, no, just cool. yeah. Yeah, we just must also remember that you know there's no cars on the road, so there's no motor vehicle accidents taking place. Mm-hmm. That's also one of the reasons why the hospitals are empty, and also there's lots of police presence. So people are well, hopefully criminals are not out. Mm. They a lot more way, so there's no uh, well, not as much. Uh, break-ins and robberies and things taking place, except people trying to get to alcohol because they can't legitimately get to alcohol. So I think that number we must be cautious of to just say hospitals are empty because there's no, you know, um, crimes as a result of alcohol. I think that, you know, it's, it's a difficult time for everybody. And I think right now sort of alcohol is being used as the, the cause of all these social harms. And, um, you know, we advocate Mm. as a drink of moderation. I think we always advocating for responsible use of alcohol. And the one thing I want to say, Goshal, is we're not saying, you know, open up the floodgates. We're not saying, you know, forget about COVID. And I think somewhere along the line, you know, everything's getting blurred here, is we're saying, look, like everything else, um, alcohol is legal in the country. Mm. Um, it is, it's, it's a beverage. And we're saying that allow it to be contactless. So allow it to be delivered. I mean, there's lots of the companies that actually deliver. So allow yourself to be able to order, drop it at the gate, you pay for it online or whatever it is. Or order and actually be able to pick up so that you're not actually sitting down and consuming. It's contactless. So your you know, risk is actually now dropped. So we're not saying be extreme about it. We're not saying totally open up. We're saying let's be rational. Let's take into account the hygiene and the care and the social distancing. Mm. So it allows us to have the balance. And that's what I keep on saying is let's meet each other halfway as government, as community, as you know, World Health Organization in terms of safety. I mean, we, we're all human. I don't want to get COVID. I don't think you want to either. We would never be irresponsible as an industry or as an association yeah. to put our employees at risk or our family and loved ones at risk. So I think that, you know, we also look at the other side. What we're saying is, is that, you know, we contribute to the GDP of the country. We contribute to employment. There are many people who are sitting at home right now, Gershaw, who are not secure to know that when lockdown is over, that they're going to have a job to go to. And I'm not only talking about our industry. I'm talking about across the industries. A lot of people who are sitting at home now are not getting paid because they work on a no-work, no-pay basis. They're not as fortunate as somebody like myself who still gets paid a salary, by yeah. sitting at home. I can have food on my table. I could have a lovely Easter meal today. There were people at home today who couldn't have a meal. And it's those people that I think as an association we're saying, listen, let's have a little bit of a reasonable relaxation. So, so that's what I wanted to ask you. I mean, the next, um, uh, you know, the next issue that I wanted to raise, because I mean, based on what my, my, description, my understanding of your description is of, of who are the people that, that should be benefiting from this and how this program 
program should work of um, uh, of consumption beer, right? Um, from what I understand, it sounds very much to me, again, something that benefits uh, middle-class consumers. So Gersh can sit at, uh, sit at home, I can log onto my laptop, uh, use my Wi-Fi, um, or place an order, uh, put in a nice, uh, safe residential address, right? It's specific and people know where to go to. Um, and I can have my booze delivered with, uh, to me within the next uh, couple of days. So again, it sounds like something that will, my six pack or my, my whatever that I've ordered or my case of beers, I can then have it delivered to my house. It, it sounds really comfy. It sounds really uh, convenient. What about people, for example, where we know that there's a lot of Shabin township owners, um, I mean, township Shabin owners that have been impacted by the, the COVID-19 lockdown, people who own pubs in certain areas and so on and sports bars and all of those things, all of those people are being heavily impacted. A lot of people will argue that that's generally where the trade needs uh, some form of support. And, you know, I'm so glad you raised that because they are the people we are most concerned about is because, as you know, we service those um, taverners and we initially called out to them to say, please, let's adhere to the lockdown, which a lot of them have. They all are legally trading. And, you know, we'd like to believe all of our taverners have adhered to the call. We have seen on TV that there have been a few taverners who have been, you know, caught selling. And we'd like to believe it's not ours because we've sent out a strong messaging to say, please do not sell and adhere to the lockdown. And we're proud to say that they've not. And it's these taverners we're concerned about because when you look at who they support, yeah. they support not only their families, but the families around them. And when you look at the, the plea that we made and the submission that we made, we actually asked in that submission that they have on consumption. So that means that they can actually have people come in have a drink, have a meal, and then leave. And our request was that they actually be granted a special exemption to have off consumption. So a lot of them also have tuck shops, you know, the kind of setup, so that we ask that they can also then do the, the sort of tuck shop uh, takeaway. So you can come to sort of the window, etc., pick up like you would, like a drive through almost, but you can do a walkthrough, and then you can leave. So we absolutely are also considering them so that they at least can have some trade um, over this time because it's not only for, like you're saying, um, a middle class who can and you know sit in the comfort of their home and order on, online. It's also for that. But once again, to make sure there's strict social distancing, there must be um, sanitizers, um, you know, proper hygiene, all of that, which we will also give support to. I don't know if you know, but, uh, you know, at least 70% of um, sanitizer is alcohol. So a lot of our um, members already have donated alcohol and sanitizers already um, to the public, to to the health departments, etc. So a lot of work of that has already been done. And so we've done a lot of education. We've done posters in taverns showing people what it means this is even before lockdown. Um, understanding don't share bottles, don't share cigarettes. So there's a lot of work that's been done already in that um, segment of the market as well. Fair enough. Uh, so what are you calling for? What is your submission? How are you making the submission? Because, I mean, surely, um, you know, this is not the be-all and the end-all, a conversation late on a Sunday night on, on, on 702. Um, there is a submission that needs to be made. 
um, um, you know, uh, through whatever processes, through whatever legal and political processes that you have to undergo. Uh, who is responsible for responding to that? When are you expecting an answer? When can people expect to get some form of guidance as to what is going to happen next? Because as you very well know, there's plenty of fake news doing the rounds and that doesn't help anyone either. Hmm, absolutely. So what we've done is we've done to, done a joint submission as the the uh, liquor organization. So the Salva, ourselves as the beer organization, as well as the wine, Vinpro. We've done a collective as liquor to the presidency, as well as to all the relevant ministries. We have received an acknowledgement, to, uh, you know, by the um, president of the ministries to say they've received it and our submission and that they will respond. So that was great that we actually received that acknowledgement. So we hope by at least, you know, at least a, a few days' time, we understand it's the Easter holiday. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're patient and we definitely do not want to go the adversarial route. We don't foresee that we want to go a legal route at all. Remember, we are dealing with a silent killer. You know, this is uh, something beyond all of our control and uh, we want to work together. I think that's a very important message, I think, for us as associations in, in the liquor space. Um, and, you know, it's a difficult time for everyone. I think our president yeah. is doing a day, great job. The ministers, I think, are trying their best. And it's a time for us to come together. I think we need to just be reasonable in our approach and try, like I said, to balance what is it we need to do to take care of our country and the people, but also the economy? I hear what you're saying there, that you don't want to take the adversarial route, right? But at the very same time, I mean, is that an option that remains open to you? That that um, if push comes to shove, because unfortunately, let's be honest, um, you know, we have a couple of, uh, whether they want to admit it or not, uh, we have one or two ministers within the cluster having to deal with this. I would think the, the minister of police in particular uh, is the type of guy that could easily say to fly a kite. I'm not interested. Uh, you know, good luck next time and leave it at that. I mean, is this an actual option for you or uh, would you be fine with uh, government coming back and saying, listen, sorry, we can't help you. Uh, end of story and move along. The last thing I think this country needs is for us to be fighting each other. I think that the government to this point has consulted with us. They've been open with us. They've created mechanisms for us to be able to report in. The, the portfolio committees, parliamentary committees have created an open line with everyone, all of us, you as well, myself, whoever we are in the world, uh, or in the country at least, can write to them, tell them what our concerns are. So I think that there's been a lot of transparency so I think I am and we are as associations extremely hopeful that we are being heard. So for me and yourself as, as media, I mean, you've been fabulous. You've created these platforms for us to also, you know, um, voice our concerns. And I really hope sanity will prevail right now for everybody. So um, I must admit we are very hopeful that we will be able to reach a compromise and do what's best for the nation. I hope so too. I mean, for me, it's uh, uh, hopefully we, we, we get out of this and the best ultimate solution is found. 
um, around this particular matter because obviously for people uh, on both sides of the fence, I mean, there are and I do think that there was something, um, the government missed an opportunity, especially not for warning people around the fact that there would be a sudden halt to the sale of alcohol as well as cigarettes. Um, but I mean, alcohol, we're talking specifically about uh, alcohol in this uh, conversation. I, I do think that it's created probably more problems than anticipated or could potentially create more problems than anticipated. And let's see how all of this works out. But ultimately, we still need um, a solution that maintains social distancing. And uh, I don't know what, um, I, 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 I'm not saying that your submission is wrong. I'm not say, I, I, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm not 100% sure whether your submission ultimately would be that uh, in the middle compromise that everyone needs. Yeah, I think what worries me more than anything else yeah. is if we don't find a solution, and, and I agree, maybe we don't have the solution. Somebody, you know, has another solution and is more creative than us. And I think that's why we all need to work together um, in coming up with it right now. But what worries me, like I said, is people are desperate. When you look at what the Google searches are, one of the highest Google searches at the moment yeah. is how to make your own alcohol. I I promise you, when you look at that, and people are coming up with their own concoctions. I tried to bake rolls the other day because I'm trying not to go to the shops. I'm I'm petrified. And so I I tried to get yeast for, you know, to bake rolls and bread. I couldn't get it. Do you know why? Because that's one of the ingredients. Yeah, yeah, for making beer. Exactly. Yeah, okay. What I'm saying is it's dangerous. Yeah. So these are, and then don't even talk about the crime rate. In the last five days, mm. we've had 12 reported cases. I'm talking about 12 reported, just of big stores, of, of, for just for liquor. 12. So what I'm saying is, is that there's all of these unintended sure. consequences now. So I'm saying if we don't find a solution, these are just some things we thought of. I, 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 I hear you. We have to find something. Patricia, point well made. I'll have to leave it at that. Thank you so much. All the best to you, okay? Thanks, Joshua. Cheers. Bye. Bye. That was Patricia Pillay, as I said, Head of Legal Regulatory. Um, wait, let me just quickly go through the title. Uh, head of Legal Regulatory and Sustainability Division at the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa. And as you heard here on the show, the CEO of the Beer Association of South Africa, and that is the case that she's putting forward uh, for um, off, um, uh, off-site beer consumption. Up next, Yusuf Abramji will be chatting to us about the other vice that a lot of people have been talking about, obviously, and that is uh, the issue around cigarettes. And uh, very interesting take on that one. I think it is an important conversation. 15 minutes ago, before we get to 10.